Welcome to another exciting episode of Patanjali Yoga Sutra Commentaries by respected Dr. Chinmay Pandya. Each episode delves deep into a selected set of sutras, so be sure to follow along and remember to revisit any episode you may have missed. We hope you enjoy and do stay connected with DSVV by following our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages using the handle at DSVVOfficial. Pranams to everyone from Shantikunj Haridwar Dev Sanskriti Vishwavidyale, Himalayas, India. Let us start with the recitation of the Gayatri Mantra. Gayatri is one of the most prominent powers of the Indian wisdom traditions. As we were discussing it yesterday, that the mantra is dedicated to the righteousness of the human life. In the Gayatri Mantra, we are saying Tat Savitur Varinyam Bhargo Devasya Dhimahi Dhyo Yonaha Prachodayat Tat is referring to that Almighty Divine, one that can never be classified. It cannot be categorized in he or she, male or female, this and that. It is beyond all such classifications. And Savita is a word dedicated to Lord Son, and this word is coming from a special word, Savita Sarvasya Prasavita, the one that gives birth to all. So, Bhagwan Suri, Lord Son, has got multiple names in Sanskrit, and they all are masculine. Surya, Aditya, Divakar, Prabhakar, Udgit, Martand, Vishwarup, Vishwanav, all are masculine, except one, Savita which means the power that gives birth to everything and everyone. Varinyam, which does not discriminate, like sun does not discriminate. It gives equal light, equal ushma, urja, energy to everyone. It has no such feeling as the discrimination. It belongs to all, it receives from everyone, it gives to all. And that is the power of the Gayatri Mantra also. It is that power that gives birth to everyone. And it is equally embraced by all and it loves everyone equally. Bhargo Devasiddhimahi. Bhargo means purification. Purify me. I don't know how to do it. You help me do it. Devasya means enlighten my path. I cannot see. I am in a state of darkness. I cannot see far. I cannot see right. Dhimahi means righteousness, not what I am looking for, or what I seek and desire, or what I have got my ambitions for, but what is right for me. Give that to me. Dhiyo yonha prachodayat. Not only me, but everyone else. So it is a prayer that belongs to humanity. It is a prayer that belongs to the community. Prayer for the social upliftment. It is a prayer of the self-refinement. So let us do the Gayatri Mant together. Join, uh, if you could uh, recite the Gayatri Mant with me, it would be a pleasure. If you can't, then just uh, chant in your own uh, pace and rhythm, Gayatri Mant together. Om Bhur Bhuva Swaha Tatsavetur 
to everyone and welcome again to this discussion of the Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. We started to discuss the second chapter, Sadhanapad, of the great book written by Patanjali, Maharshi Patanjali. The first chapter was dedicated to the end point of the yogic adventure, which is Samadhi. And Samadhi has got multiple categories according to Patanjali. He is the only person who could go to that finest level of the human psyche that he could divide even the structures of the Samadhi. Even when the mind stops to work, he has got different classifications, Sampragyat, Asampragyat, Sabij, Nirvi, Samadhi, and they all are absolutely perfect in their own remit. So the first chapter is dedicated, it's pointing towards the end point of the yogic adventure called Samadhi. How to reach there? is Sadhanapad, because in the first chapter, he talked about those people who have already reached to a certain level of consciousness. They already have got the Vairagya. Their mind is absolutely calm, stable. They are in a perfect state of equipoise and balance, harmony inside. So they don't need anything else besides doing the Abhyas practice. And he described many ways to practice. You can do the practice through Shraddha, Veera, Smriti, or you can do Ishwar Pranidhan, or you can do Parikarma, you can choose the path of Maitri, Karuna, Mudita, Upeksha, whichever suits to you. He ultimately says that Yathabhimat Dhyanadva, whichever is right for you. Follow that as long as you are able to keep your Vairagya intact. So that path belongs to the advanced level uh, seekers. They already have reached to a certain level of their inner journey and the only thing they need and require is regular practice to keep their devotion, determination and persistence intact. So he says that that's for you. Then ask the question we ask, he says, what about those who are not at that level? So for them, Patanjali starts the second chapter with techniques because they need more action-oriented approach. They are looking for actual way to do it. So he called this chapter as the sadhan path because in first people can reach only by understanding the concept. In the second, they need tools, techniques, they need much more action-oriented approach. So the first technique that he gives is the Kriya Yoga, Tapaswadhyashupadhanani Kriya Yoga. What does it do? It does two things. Samadhi bhavanartha, klesha tanu karanarthascha. It weakens the kleshas and by doing so it helps to attain the samadhi. It helps one to reach to a state of absolute calmness, stillness, stability by weakening the kleshas. Then comes a natural question, what are the kleshas? So the first chapter, if you remember, started with five types of vrittis and here he starts with five types of kleshas. He says, Ajnana, Asmita, Raga, Dvesh, Abhinivesha, Panchak Klesha. And what are their purpose? These kleshas are there. What is their reason to be there? If they are only giving us the trouble, if they are only giving us the pain, if they are responsible for sorrow and suffering, if the only thing they are doing is inflicting injury to the mankind, why are they even there? They are there, he explains, to continue this chaos or spectacle, whichever we see it, of sansar, prakriti, continuing. 
that kind of operations. And Prakriti can continue its operations. This sansar, this world can continue to function only if every single being that is part of it will continue to do the karma. And we can only do the karma if we are under the influence of Klesh. If we are responding to the gunas of Prakriti under the influence of Klesh, then we end up doing the karma. Simple as that. So he says, it does two things. Gunadhikara dridhayanti. It strengthens the force and effect and influence of the gunas of Prakriti. And what it also does? Parasparanugra. They help each other. These, all the Klesh and Klesh related entities, they are helping each other. Avidya is helping Asmita to grow. Asmita is helping Rag and Dvesh to grow. And they all helping each other so that we, Purush, Jivatma, end up doing the karma. Because to maintain this whole karmic adventure that we call as the sansar or the chaos, whichever way you would like to define it, it can only continue if everyone is either paying back the karma or adding new karma to their list of the karmas. That's the only way for it to function. And this is what the kleshas are doing. They are helping the prakriti's gunas so that we can end up doing the karma. In which he says avidya is the mother of all. She is the queen bee. She is the one responsible for everything else. Avidya kshetra mutresham. It is the field, breeding ground in which all other kleshas, uttresham, the one that would be described later, they are growing. And they can be in four of the different states. Prasupta, Tanu, Vichin, Udaram. Either they could be sleeping. You can have one particular sanskar in your life which would be completely dormant for a certain phase of life. The sanskars like sensual pleasures, they get fully manifested, Udar, at the teenage years. They are more or less sleeping in the childhood years. And they become Tanu, they become weak in the old age years. But they become absolutely manifested at the age when, like you know, reproduction is needed. It is a natural, prakritic way for them to happen. So, he says they could be in either of these states. They could be prasupt, sleeping, dormant, or they could be tanu, weakened, or they could be fully manifested udar, or they could be intermittent. Intermittent means that once one klesh is in full force, we are unable to see the other ones. If we are in a state of attachment with a particular person, we cannot see the mistakes that that person makes. Because at that particular time, raga is in full force. So we cannot be in a state of dvesh for the same person. For raga to develop, dvesh has to be dormant. But later on, we may be in a state of jealousy with the same person. Or we may be in a state of anger and, and some other uh, kind of negative feeling for that person because now a different clash has become fully manifested and this is a very mechanical process it's like different softwares functioning inside our body and they become responsible for a particular thing to happen like matrix and suddenly we are obliging that clash and start behaving accordingly so Patanjali says if you are able to understand that you can understand the human personality you can understand 
why a person is feeling attachment to a particular person at a particular point in time while the same person is behaving differently at a different time because a different clash has now taken the control of that person's personality. So he said it could be either four. Vijnana Bhikshu adds another fifth category. He says Dagdabij. He says that Dagdabij means that that seed has been completely destroyed. And it's a wonderful analogy. The words that they are using, they are using that Chitta Bhumi, that it is like an agricultural land in which karma are like seed. And they are erupting, they are giving birth to the fruits. These fruits are the circumstances of the life. And that's why if you are able to give the favorable circumstances to a particular kind of seed, say for example, no, we don't have to think only about the bad circumstances of life. Maybe I have got a seed of tapasya inside me that is lying dormant. But if I give the favorable conditions to it, if I give the right circumstance, if I read the right book, if I am surrounded by the right people, that dormant seed can then fruitify and give birth to a sanskar of sadhana, tapasya, enlightenment, illumination. It was lying there waiting for right and favorable circumstances to appear. So not only the bad things in the life, good things and good karma and good karmashaya are also waiting for this kind of favorable circumstances. So Patanjali says if you are able to understand it, you can understand everything. See it could either be sleeping or it could be erupting, giving birth to fully manifestation or a weak manifestation or an intermittent manifestation. But then there is another category called destroyed seed, Dagdabij. He says it's only for academic purposes that seed has got no power to fruitification. It's been completely taken care of, but it should be included. Vigyan Bhikshu and both Vyas also adds it as the fifth category. So whatever are there, whatever kleshas are there. So a klesh could be in either of these five categories, there is no sixth category. Same like Chitta. Chitta could be in either of those five categories, there is no sixth category. Same like here, that it would be in either of these four or five, whichever you agree, but there is no other category beyond this. And then he defines all these kleshas, he defines the avidya first, the best definition that you can find. While you would find the word avidya in Ved, in Upanishad, you would also find in Tantra, you would also find in different other yogic scriptures in Sankhya also. But this is the best definition you would find. He says, Anitya Ashuchi Dukha Anatmaso. Nitya Shuchi Sukha Atmakhyati Avidya. What is temporary and we think that is permanent. What is impure but we think it is pure. What is the source of the pain and suffering but we think oh it would give us the happiness and pleasure. That is the source of Avidya. That is Avidya. That wheel, that kind of illusion, that kind of self-delusion is avidya. And this avidya leads to asmita. Because if I have misunderstood the whole idea, if I started to think that my glass is me, then I will start to see the world accordingly. I forgot that this is, was only a medium for me to see the world. And then I make the mistake of misidentifying myself with the body rather than the one that is inside. That is asmita. Drik darshan shakti ekatmameva asmita. Says that 
kind of misidentification where I start to believe that this extension of me is me, everything that I see, feel, touch and you know, feeling, this is the perception is me or the extension of me. These, these avidya and asmita, they lead to further two problems, rag and dvesh. If I have developed the concept of I, then I have already created a boundary for others. If I think this is mine, then I already said that belongs to you. And the moment I created a boundary, I created a delusion that something belongs to me and something belongs to other. What belongs to me would give birth to rag. What belongs to other and should be mine gives birth to the dvesh. That I think, oh, that's him, that's his, but should be mine. That kind of feeling is leading to dvesh. Then there is a fifth special one that he says, Swarashvahi vidushah api tatharudha abhinivesha. Abhinivesh is clinging to the life or a desire or a craving where we want life to continue and we don't want it to end or we have got this delusion that I would never die no matter who would come before and after me but I somehow would continue. He says that feeling which has got two sides of the same point together. One is a fear of death and second is a desire for one to continue that I will continue to live. These two are the two parts of the same coin and that is Abhinivesh. He says Swarashvahi. That is there. All other kleshas, he says, they are created new in each life. Avidya, of course, is there. That's the field. But then every new life, I create a new asmita. This life, I am chinmaya, so I create a asmita as per chinmaya. I would be something, someone else next time, then like you know, the asmita would be new according to that time. But abhinivesh, persistent, it is always there. That's why he says, you see that in a smallest insect, it runs away from the life, it's clinging to the life, it's running away from the death. And you see in the babies, they are just born. They haven't had the opportunity to develop their asmita. They haven't had the opportunity to develop rag and dvesh at the moment. But they still have the abhinivesh because there is a memory of the past life that keeps telling them that they need to cling to this opportunity that they have got as the life. This is abhinivesh. Now comes today's words after we have understood that the chapter starts with Kriya Yoga. The purpose of the Kriya Yoga is to help one to attain samadhi by weakening the kleshas. Then he defines the kleshas. Now, he talks about two other remedial measures and they both shall be understood together. He says, okay, Kriya Yoga could only weaken the kleshas. That's where the trick is. Klesh, Tanu, Karanar, Thascha. They are only weakening the klesha. What is going to destroy it? Because weakening is not our objective. Our objective is to eliminate them because if kleshas would continue to be there, we already understood that if they are only Tanu, then it means that there is a possibility for them to become fully manifested at a later life or later point in the life or in future lives. So they need to be destroyed completely. How would you do that? Then comes the two famous verses. He says, Te pratiprasavheya sukshma and dhyanheya tadvratte. They should be understood together. How? What does it mean? Te means these five kleshas. 
Pratiprasava, I will explain. Heya means elimination, Sukshma means settle. So he is saying these kleshas now after being weakened are so subtle, they need microscopic surgery. They cannot be dealt only with a macroscopic approach like Kriya Yoga. They need much more microscopic one-to-one -one checking. So say for example, I need to wash my clothes. The bigger ones like you know if there is a dirt or if I have got the mud over it, then I can wash that like you know with the only uh, superficial cleaning. But if there is a dirt inside, then I need you know much more finer cleaning. I need to see the cloth every time. Where is it? I need to clean it. If you are supposed to clean this room, then of course, then you also need to go, you need to hoover it. Broom, you can clean the bigger problems, but then you need hoovering it. You need the, like, you know, smaller, smaller things, they need gentle cleaning. And same with our mind. The gentle cleaning is done with two approaches. One is called Pratiprasav, second is called Dhyana. But there, in this case, Dhyana is not the meditation as we popularly use it. Here, he is talking about dhyan in the sense of viveka khyati. Viveka khyati, you may remember from the chapter 1, that after we have reached to the first stage, once actually we have done the bhyas and vairagya, that time we have reached to the state of sampragya samadhi. Here, the same thing has happened. After doing the kriya yoga, we have reached to the sampragya samadhi, but then to reach to higher levels, we need Pratiprasav and Viveka Khyate. We need Pratiprasav means, Pratiprasav means giving rebirth to ourselves. We need to trace back the sanskar, find the origin, where it has taken, where the problem has started and unchain it at that point, then only a new cycle can start. There is a very interesting and famous story in this respect, very famous story of a great soul called Mahavir. So Mahavir was in the last, almost last state of reaching to Kavalya, which is what you would read in the fourth chapter of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, which is the ultimate state that any yogi can reach. And he was there. And he realized that somehow there is a blockage and he cannot pass through this last state. And all karma were gone. Sanskars were gone, mind was absolutely seated. He had no urge, impulse, oscillations and interruptions taking place inside the personality. So he thought what could be responsible for this such kind of impediment or this obstacle. So he meditated and he realized that there is a karma that he did many lives before that is waiting for the repayment. And until unless he clear that, it's very microscopic, small. He had done something bad to a person. And that bad person needs to do something bad to him. Then it would be equal. So he, in the meditation, asked that person's subconscious to come and pay it back to him. So that person came. Mahavir, many lives before, had uh, uh, like you know uh, got his ears pricked so this person came and the moment he saw Mahavir and Mahavir was in a state of meditation he had done nothing wrong to this man but because of the sanskar because of the clash that was there inside in the chitta he immediately seeing the Mahavir got very angry he said why are you not listening to me 
and he got two very very prickly uh, thorny uh, twigs of the branches and tried to pierce the ears of Mahavir. Blood started to come. Moment blood came, Mahavir crossed that boundary, achieved Kevalya and then heads of the gods had to come to repair the wound. That's a different part of this story, but the main part of this story is that is Pratiprasav. That's actually going back to the original point where the sanskar had taken place and then either correcting it, if it is a big karma, big sanskar which needs repayment, then facing it, or if it is something small, then solving it. But you need to return back to the originality of the sanskar to solve it. That is Pratiprasav, it requires microscopic surgery. Then even higher, then comes the discernment, vivek, which brings the pragya. Then you can solve dhyana, heyah tadvritte, because even the seeds are burnt, but they still have got the smaller, smaller moments, which gives, like, you know, the challenges in the chitta of the sadhak, of the yogi. They can be dealt with this vivekhyate. Then, after dealing with all three layers that he Patanjali talked about, then he starts to give the mechanism of how the kleshas are giving birth to karma and then eventually to sanskar. Sanskar meaning the circumstances that we see in our life, karma meaning what we did in the lives before or we are doing it right now under the influence of the klesh. So then he starts to give the definition of them. So he says, klesh mulah karmashaya drisht adrisht janma vedaniya. Mool means root. Karmasha means storage of the karma. Drisht, one that could be seen. Adrisht, that cannot be seen. Vedaniya means experienced. So what he is trying to say? He is saying that at the root of the klesh, karmasha is there. The storage of the karma is there. It's like a pot that you can see at the tree of our own karma. We are like in the big paramachitta of the consciousness. We each are coming like a tree there. And in our own tree, which is been given birth by our own karmashaya, there is a tuberous growth at the root. That is karmashaya. And it is responsible, he says, for bringing the lives, seen and unseen. Unseen could be the ones that have already taken place and would be the ones that would come later on. And for that to understand, we need to understand the whole cycle, how this karma is taking place. Klesh are helping the gunas of the prakriti and when they both attack, the chitta responds by doing a karma. Only a karma that is done under the influence of klesh could bring the parinam, could bring the outcome. If we are doing it without, then it's a nishkam karma. Then it is a nishklesh karma. It would never bring a result. If we are doing it, not as a response to the gunas of the prakriti or a response to the kleshas, then nothing. And something passed through me. It's like, you know, 
the water would pass through me, but not making me wet. It would just go. And same happens here. And all these karma, depending upon their intention and intensity, they bring good or bad outcomes. Shubh or ashubh, parinam. And the memories of all such, they are stored in our karmasha. That's why the famous verse is there. Yatha dhenu sahasresu vatso gachati matara. Tadayachakritam karma kartaramadi gachati. Just like a calf would recognize its mother, cow, in millions of cows. It doesn't have to be told that your mother is there. It would find. Similarly, a karma would find its owner, karta, no matter where he or she is, which part of the world, which part of the other worlds, in whichever loka, in whichever being, in whichever uni, how? Because it's not knocking from outside, it's knocking from inside. It is always with us that memory, it's like karmic fingerprinting. You have got the fingerprint of your karma that you carry with you. That is the karmasha. No matter where we go, we are always carrying it. So at the right moment, that would manifest. It would bring up the sanskar and then suddenly our life and circumstances, people around us would change. So he says, Klesh mule karmashaya drisht adrisht janma vedaniya. They are responsible for the life seen or unseen. They are there. And then comes a very interesting verse, which is very important to understand. He says, Sati mule tad vipako jatehi ayuhu bhogaha. Sati means existence. Mule means root. Tad, that vipako means fruition. Jati means life. Ayu means span of life, how long. Bhoga means life experience. Vyas gives the definition. Bhoga, sukha, dukha, sakshatkara. Whatever we experience in our life is the bhog. Whether we experience sukha, pleasure, or we experience dukha. As long as we are feeling it, as long as we experience pleasure as pleasure and pain as pain, it is bhog. If we feel nothing to it, then who cares? It's not a bhog then it's just something that's happening in my life. So he says, as long as that mool, that root that he talked about in the previous verse, it continues to exist. As long as it continues to exist, it keeps giving birth to the fruition of our all storage of karma in the form of three things. Jati ayu bhog. It keeps giving us the new birth. We would be forced to take a birth even if we want to liberate because our storage of the karma is calling us and there is no escaping from it. Jati. Ayu. How long one would live? And um, what would be the duration? Whether it would be a happy, healthy, harmonious life? All that depends upon this information. Bhoga. What kind of life he or she would have? Whether he would have a life of light, bliss, harmony, prosperity, prestige, or he would have a life of pain, suffering. It all depends upon this piece of information. And this piece of information says Patanjali depending upon three things. How would it decide that which type of life I am supposed to give? It says three factors are there. Depending upon Klesha's, either Klesh could remain dormant 
deciding not to fructify or two things can happen a it can give birth like you know to the uh, fully manifestation uh, it would give birth to like the kind of result that we are looking for or the counter karma could negate it like say for example uh, try to understand it this way that i was supposed to get that when i was born then i was supposed to get uh, a big thing but i decided to do very bad karma in this life and all the bad comes but then counter the storage of the good karma that i am born with so i will not get much as per as i was supposed to get rather i would get much little as compared to what i am getting there is a very interesting story that would help you to understand stories of uh, one incident that took place in kashi varanasi varanasi you may know is the holy city of lord shiva one incident took place there incident was that there was a man who did all the bad deeds and he got a gold coin and there was another man in the same village who was doing all the good deeds living a very righteous life and he was uh, bitten by a wasp so people were thinking how come like you know this person was living such a bad life got a gold coin and this person was living a good life and he was bitten by a wasp so they approached lord shiva and they complained to him that this is what happened today lord shiva said because of their karmashay because of their storage of karma he said that the person who was bitten by the wasp he was supposed to get the king of he was supposed to become the king of this kingdom but because he did so many bad deeds all his life it was reduced to only a gold coin that's the maximum he is getting he would not get anything more so what he was supposed to get was this this big but because of all the bad deeds reduced to only a gold coin and the other person he said he was supposed to die today it was his markesh starting from today and it just reduced to because of his good deeds reduced to the bite of the wasp that's it that's the only bad payment he are supposed to make it's only reduced to that so this patanjali says is because the counter karma was done in such a big force that they were able to reduce the fruition of that particular seed karmashay has been tapered down and another possibility is there another possibility is that because one karma became so big that it was able to nullify the other other ones one big good karma can easily solve like you know the other bad that could be that is possible for that to be done that is also possible and sometimes equal thing happens for the bad also if somebody did a very bad karma all other bad karm that he did before in the previous lives they also decide to merge with that one so that the outcome of all bad karms can come together to this man this person male or female it would then come to that person so patanjali says that all depends upon karmashay storage of the karm klesh mule karmashay drisht adrisht janma vedaniya that at the root of the issue is the storage of the karma what we are carrying in our bank simple as that if we have got a good deed account it's good one you get good result if you have got a bad deed account forget about it wait for the next turn 
So he says, it is all depending upon that and that's what you get as the drisht or adrisht janma, seen or unseen. Uh, result is actually depending upon that. And as long as it continues to exist, sati mule tadvipako, jati ayubhoga. You get three things. You get the birth, you get the ayu, what kind of, how long one person would live and what kind of life he or she would have. Sometimes a person takes a birth only to pay back a bad sanskar. There is a real story of last century in India. There was a man and he uh, was working in a small village. Real story and very interesting story. So he was working in a very small village in Maharashtra. And there he started to do a business with his friend. Somehow business became hugely successful. And in those days, in 1905 or 1906, 1905, 1906, they were like, you know, they, they got 100,000 or 200,000 rupees, a heavy amount of money compared to these days uh, as uh, profit. But they were supposed to go and collect it from Bombay, Mumbai. So they went, those days it was called Bombay. So they went there. And now this person developed a greed inside. So somehow he thought that I, if I could kill him, nobody would know and then I will get the 100,000 rupees. So what he did that he murdered his friend and buried the body. And like, you know, and then returned back with the 200,000 rupees after a few weeks and then said to his family, his friend's family, he said that, oh, did he not return? He pretended like his friend had already gone back. He said, did he not return back? So friend's wife said, no, no. He went with you. He said, no, no, he left early. He left. He said that he has to see the family and I don't know what happened to him. And those days because people were going like, you know, and they were already robbers on the way. They were already the dangerous animals on the way. People used to get lost also. It was very common for people not to return back. So nobody suspected that he may have murdered his own, like, you know, close friend. And on top of that, he gave like, 3,000, 5,000 rupees equivalent to maybe 1 million rupees nowadays to the family. That please look after yourself, I'm sorry that this happened. And their family was obliged that this person is so kind and compassionate that he's even giving us the money and all that. They had no idea the kind of bad intention he had. And he used the rest of the money to develop his own business, became a very popular businessman. Then he had a son. And the son then got the best education those days, whichever was possible. And the moment he could have handed over his business to this boy, the boy fell ill. And then, like, you know, he used to love his son like anything. He fell ill. Three years were gone in trying to find the right treatment for the boy. All his savings, they were gone, completely gone. Only 300 rupees were left. And there was a night when he was crying next to the son that, like, you know, nothing is happening. I did everything possible to make him uh, healthy. And he was crying that his son is more or less on the deathbed and nothing is working. And only nine, 300 rupees are left now. Suddenly his son actually got up and he started to laugh. So he was surprised, thought my son is now better. What happened to him? And son said to him that, do you remember who I am? He said, no. He said, you are my son. He said, no, 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 I am not your son. I am your friend. 
the partner that you killed so long time ago. That time you only had 300 rupees. Now you have the same. Now it's time for me to go back. I paid back the karma. And he died that night. That's the sanskar. One sanskar that he came back to pay. And it is to be returned to that boy uh, who was born like, you know, his friend or partner who was born as his own son. So this is what Patanjali is saying, that even one particular sanskar can take the entire life. It can be responsible. So he says the last verse that we would discuss today. He says, Te had paritapa phala. They are responsible for ahalad, like, you know, pleasure. And paritap, pain, phala, like, you know, they are the outcomes, fruits. He says they are responsible punya apunya hetutvad. That normal people understand from the definition of punya or pap. They think that oh, my good karma, which is defined as the punya, or apunya pap sin that I am getting the result of. And why he is saying normal people? Because of what he would say in the next one. So he says that they are normally responsible for this kind of uh, result. However, however, there is a big however. He says, Parinam tap sanskar dukhai gunavritti virodhacha dukhaiv iv sarvam vivekina. Wonderful verse. He says, Parinam tap sanskar dukhai that there are three types of dukkha, suffering. Dukkha means suffering that you get. First understand this so it would be easier for you to understand the last verse. He says, normal people understand that, okay, I am getting the result of my good deeds or bad deeds like that. However, what the wise people think, dukkham sarvam iva vivekina. He says, for the wise person, for the one who is a real sadhak, real yogi, he is walking on the real path of the yoga, everything is dukkha. Whether you are getting respect or rejection, everything is suffering. Whether you are getting the, like, you know, you, somebody is calling you Vivekananda or somebody is calling you useless. Both are the same. They are of no importance because Dukkham Sarva Eva Vivekana, because he knows Gunavritti Virodhancha. I am still in the force of the Gun and Vritti. They are fighting among themselves and I am getting the respect and rejection. I am still. Sitting in this whole chaos, I am sitting still in the right, I have not, I haven't come out of it. So he realizes that whether whatever kind of dukkha and suffering are coming in my life, parinam, tap, sanskar, he defines them in three categories. Parinam means, parinam means outcome. So it may be giving me pleasure now, but in outcome it would give me suffering. That is one type of <laughs> suffering. That sometimes people are eating very nice food, but later on they get the food poisoning or they eat very sweet food and they have got diabetes, the sugar would shoot and now they would have problem. So in Parinam, they got the Dukkha in suffering. Taap means when person is getting the suffering by seeing others. They are not happy or they are not in pain because of themselves. They are in pain because of seeing other people happy. That is Taap. Sanskar is happening because of memory, that people are, have got the memories of pleasure. They can't have the same pleasure now, so they feel in suffering. Or they are 
worried about what may happen or they are fantasizing about what may happen and nothing is happening so they are getting because of this so he says these all kind of sufferings look normal to the people that we are getting because of our good or bad deeds not to the wise man wise man knows this everything that we are getting good or bad high or low bright or dark makes no difference because everything that we see here is nothing but the suffering just like buddha said dukkhamayam sansara that this everything is nothing but the pain and suffering because even if we get the respect we are still paying back our good karm that are actually going washing out even if we are getting the suffering makes no difference i am still in the cycle the main thing is to come out of the cycle main thing is to escape out of this path of where we are forced to take birth and forced to take death and forced to follow this path knowingly or unknowingly whether we are here by choice or by default the only solution is to escape do i end by sharing a wonderful discussion between paul brunton and ramana maharshi so he went to see ramana maharshi and he said to ramana maharshi said that i want to know that what i was in the previous life to maharshi maharshi said it's important to know what you are right now rather than knowing what you were before he said no no i just want to know so that i can know what i would be in future so ramana maharshi said it is important to come out of that cycle of being somewhere in the previous life and then somewhere in the next life it is important to come out of that cycle so paul brunton said that how would i learn that and ramana maharshi said you came to the wrong person in india we do not teach learning we teach unlearning forget everything that you have learned so far start afresh don't accumulate the information start from zero with single determination that i need to come out of this chaos that's the only way to break this barrier that is the path of final freedom so that's what patanjali says patanjali gives the entire mechanism of how klesha leading to karma karma are giving birth to the punya and punya but then he says forget all that you have learned so far just remember one thing everything dukkham sarva eva vivekina everything is nothing but the dukkh and suffering nothing else is important for you to remember from this chapter the only thing that is important to remember he says is this whether you fight with the good or bad you are still there like vivekanand said whether we are chained by the iron handcuffs or gold handcuffs makes no difference we are still chained important to come out of the chain it's not important whether i have got the diamond chains or somebody else has got the iron chain we both are chained important to break it and reach to the final freedom so we end today's discussion with the shanti part shanti part together om deo shante rantarikshagvam shante he prithave shante rapah shante roshadaya shante he वनस्पतय शातिर्विश्वे 
हमारे YouTube चैनल शांति कुंजक वीडियो गायत्री परिवार को सब्सक्राइब करें एवं बेल आइकन जरूर दबाएं ताकि गायत्री परिवार की विभिन्न गतिविधियों की जानकारी आपको मिलती रहे